0: The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem in the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Arness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're talking to an expert on gray whales. We'll discuss how to spot nature's largest animal from the Oregon coast and take a deep dive into one of the world's most impressive migrations. But first... Here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David. So in this edition of the podcast, we are talking about one of Oregonian's favorite activities during the coldest and bleakest months of the year. Nope, it's not counting the inches of rain that fall. It's heading to the coast to catch sights of gray whales during one of the world's most impressive animal migrations.
1: So twice each year, in December and March, an estimated 25,000 gray whales swim past Oregon's shores. Luckily for us, the Oregon coast is really set up perfectly to view this spectacle. Not only are there great headlands and capes to watch the ocean, but there's even two weeks each year devoted to helping people spot the whales but
0: even if you've seen a whale in the past, there's just a lot more to know. For example, why are 25,000 whales traveling 10,000 miles? So what's going on below the surface? And just as importantly, what other types of whales can you see from Oregon
1: shores? To answer these questions and to provide some insight on the best methods for seeing them, we called on Luke Parsons, park ranger and whale expert at the Depot Bay Whale Watching Center. He touched on just about every subject, from the food whales snack on, to the method mother whales use to keep their babies safe from predators.
0: He also talked about the best places to see whales, including a few where you can see them come amazingly close to shore. So that's one you want to stick around for. Up next is the interview I recorded with Parsons earlier this year. Today I am here with Luke Parsons the lead ranger at the Whale Watching Center in Depot Bay on the Oregon coast. He's the guy I turn to anytime I have a gray whale related question. Thanks for taking some time today, Luke. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So I wanted to start out with this, this kind of wide angle question. Uh, What do you love about whale watching? I mean, was there a moment for you or a story or a reason that whales have become kind of a big part of uh, your job and work?
2: If you asked me 10 years ago, what do you think you'll be doing? I would not have said working with whales. You know, I used to live in Moab, Utah, and I worked in the desert. And you know, my background is really in experiential education and, and just connecting people with parks. And mm-hmm. now here working with the Oregon State Parks and specifically at the Whale Watching Center, the thing I've learned and the thing I enjoy the most is just the pure joy that whales bring to people. I don't care where you're from or where you've been, When you come out to the coast and and you go whale watching with your friends and families or even just by yourself and you see one of these amazing animals, you're usually just overwhelmed by this sense of wonder and joy and it's all kind of mixed together. But they're a special part of the Oregon Coast.
0: Mm -hmm. And now that you work at the Whale Watching Center, so what's it like on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis? Tell us a little bit about the the mission and purpose of that center.
2: It's pretty unique for the whole Oregon Coast and, and really the West Coast in general. It's the only building that there are staff there their only job is to see whales and to help people like you and me see them also and just to learn about what's going on out there it's a it's a wonderful building i mean about 170,000 people a year come through wow. and each one of those people is looking for a whale or wants to learn about them so it's a it's a pretty cool opportunity
0: was there any reason that it the whale watching center was placed in Depot Bay is that a, a- Do you have a better vantage point there? Are there, like, resident whales? Is there something about that location that's better than others?
2: Yeah, so Depot Bay is a pretty special spot on the whole Oregon coast, and it was just actually lucky for the state parks to have built that building there a long, long time ago. Um, Depot Bay is a little bit unique uh, in that it is, number one, it's it's a pretty deep harbor, Mm. and so just the topography underwater allows the animals, the whales specifically, to come very, very close to shore. Um, and so Depot Bay, the whole town, is kind of known as the whale-watching capital of the Oregon coast, and primarily it's because that's, that's probably your best place, that's your best chance if you're going to just pick any random day throughout the year and head to the coast. Depot Bay is where I would go just to increase your odds. Um, the whales are there, and we can see them just about every day that the weather is good enough that we can look, you yeah. know. In the winter, it can be challenging with big storms and wind and waves, but... All spring, all summer, all fall, you're going to see whales there for sure.
0: Oh, that's cool. So it's the I didn't realize it was the depth of it. I've known it as like the smallest uh, harbor in the world. or It has that. But, I mean, how close can they get?
2: Right off of the shore in front of our visitor center, um, it goes from zero feet and it drops all the way down to about 20 feet right in front of us. Okay. And so there will be days where a whale is literally one foot away from shore, right in front of our visitor center. Wow, that's crazy. And they're so close that you can hear them breathing. I mean, you can smell their breath. It's it's one of those places on the planet where you're like, this this is a real place? You know, it's, it's right there. They come super close. Now, the other thing that's really unique about that part of the Oregon coast is that whole stretch um, from Newport towards Lincoln City is that kind of really hard, ancient volcanic flows. And what that allows is Sea plants, specifically kelp and other forms of plants, to anchor their roots to the bottom of the ocean there. And no matter if there's wind or waves or whatever, their roots are strong enough to hold on to those rocks. Mm -hmm. And now, down in the roots of those plants is where all of the whale food lives, the little tiny plankton. Um, If we were to go to a place like Cannon Beach or Seaside, it's a really beautiful sandy beach. But those plants don't have anything that they can anchor their roots to. It's just sand. And so every time we have a storm or some big wave events, the plants just get ripped up. There's no food there. So you're not going to see as many whales there. There's no reason for them to hang out. There's no food. Gotcha.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. Can you kind of talk about the size of a gray whale and some of the things that might make them unique in the whale family?
2: Yeah. So gray whales are kind of known as an average sized whale. Mm -hmm. Um, When they're fully grown, they're between 40 and 45 feet long. Uh, The females are a little bit bigger, um, but really it's hard to tell. I mean, we cannot tell a male from a female when it's just swimming around in the water out there. Um, One of the analogies that we use when we're trying to get people some perspective about these whales is a school bus. Mm-hmm. Most people have seen a school bus in their lifetime. Sure. And so next time you're parked next to one of those, you can kind of look at it. And that's about the dimensions of a gray whale. They're pretty good size when they're fully grown. They're about 80,000 pounds and they're they're pretty big. Um, and again, they're just kind of a standard run-of-the-mill sized whale.
0: Gotcha. Cool. All right. So let's talk about these migrations, since that's, a, again, that's a, a thing people kind of hone in on. So each year, just in a, in a nutshell here, each year, 25,000 gray whales migrate past the Oregon coast, and it's in two waves. So December to January, and then again in late March. So those are the big times people go out to the beach, the headlands to try to see them. So on a basic level, why are they ma- migrating at those times of year? What's, what's going on there?
2: Yeah. So we'll start with that winter migration. That December and January wave, that's the entire population of about 25,000 whales are heading south. um, And most of them pass us within about a month. And really the peak of the migration is usually that last week in December or the first week in January. But then there's always still a few left, you know, those first couple weeks in January. All of those whales are headed south to Baja, Mexico, and that's where they're all going to go meet up to breed and or to give birth to the new uh, baby gray whales. And so the reason that all of these whales travel to Mexico this time of year, when they give birth to a young calf, uh, a brand new baby whale, that baby whale does not have any blubber on its body, no body fat, very, very little. And so they have to find warm water for that animal to be born in. And that's actually true among all baleen whales. All of the baleen whales have a a cold water feeding area, and then they have to go towards the equator to give birth, or else their young wouldn't survive. Um, And so these whales all travel to Mexico, and if they are a pregnant female, they will give birth um, just to one calf. And that baby whale will be about 15 feet long and it'll weigh about 2,000 pounds when it's <laughs> born. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. You know, they, they are a pretty big baby when they start. Yeah. Um, and they drink milk just like all other mammals. Mm-hmm. Um, the milk that they're drinking um, from their mother is about 54% milk fat. And so you can think of it as almost like the consistency of cream cheese or something. It's super thick. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, nutrient dense food starts packing on the pounds on that little baby calf very very quickly yeah and so it's a uh, it's that's the number one reason that they all go there is to give birth in those nice warm protected waters now for the other whales the males and the females that are not currently pregnant they're going there to breed now breeding for gray whales only happens one time of year mm-hmm. and so that's the big reason that all of the gray whales head to mexico is just to keep making more gray whales.
0: Yeah. So when those migrations are occurring, like uh, you know when people are excited to go out to the coast and and look for the whales, you know I remember you'll spot a couple spouts and then kind of nothing for a while and then a couple more spouts. So what about the social structure is going on there? Is it like uncles and brother whales like hanging out together? And then there's another family or what's what's going on below the surface?
2: Good question. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about like the pods of gray whales Mm -hmm. and the families and stuff. So um, gray whales are actually a species of whales that do not form pods. They spend most of their life as a solitary animal just kind of cruising around and feeding. Um, What we see during the migrations, especially because there's so many animals going by, you know, 25,000 in just a short time frame, What we kind of liken it to is when you and I are traveling on the holidays to go see our family members and we're all stuck on I-5 together, sometimes you will see three or four or five whales grouped up together and you'll see a whole bunch of spouts around the same time and they're all traveling the same way. So logically, we think like, oh, they're like a family of whales and they're all heading to Mexico for the winter. Isn't that great? (laughs) But actually, it's just kind of a whale traffic jam out there. And so... Those big groups of spouts, they're way easier to identify. They're way easier to see. But in all likelihood, um, most of the whales that are traveling south along our coast, especially in the wintertime, they're actually just ones, maybe twos. Mm -hmm. Um, There has been some documented kind of behaviors where there's a female that's, that's swimming, you know, in the front of the pack. Mm-hmm. And there might be a few males trying to court her. Okay. Kind of like, hey, I'm going this way too. <laughs> we should, you know, we should hang out yeah. um, type of a thing. But for the most part, the whales that you see, especially in the wintertime, they don't know each other. They're not working together. They just happen to be swimming at the same way at the same time.
0: Interesting. All right, so they're down in the Baja for, for it's a couple months for both breeding and giving birth. So you have calves being born, there's other whales being impregnated. Uh, What's the timeline here? How long does does this period last before uh, they start heading north? And what is the impetus for them heading north again? Is it a time of year? So kind of give me a little timeline in there.
2: For sure. So we'll say all of the whales kind of get to Baja the end of January, early February. So those pregnant females, they're going to go find some quieter areas of the bay um, and they're going to give birth and they're going to be mothers for right now. The rest of the whale population, the males and the females who are becoming pregnant, they're there, they're breeding. It's, it's kind of nonstop. It happens for a few weeks. Um, and it, if you're a male gray whale, you might only be in Baja for three, four weeks and then you're done. Your, your, your mission is, is complete. You are now hungry, um, and you're going to start heading back north to Alaska. And that's kind of the same for female gray whales who are there who have just become pregnant. They kind of instinctively know, okay, I'm pregnant. I'm going to need to grow this huge baby, right? I need to go back to Alaska where there's enough food to sustain me and to grow this, this calf. And so they might actually only, they might leave after just three or four weeks. Now, if you're a female gray whale and you just gave birth, again, that calf doesn't have enough blubber or insulation or strength really to swim north yet. And so they will actually stay in Mexico for a month and a half, maybe two months. That little calf is nursing. Um, By the time that they leave Mexico, um, that calf is almost doubled in weight. You know, it's closer to 4,000 pounds. They're like little gray sausages with <laughs> tails. And they can start, they have enough energy. And, and they've been training with their mom. They, they're actually these really cool little training currents that they have found. Some researchers have kind of um, shot some great video of these little mothers, like, pushing their little baby out into this current. Like, okay, stay in the current. Keep up. Go, go, go. Like a treadmill. Mm-hmm. Like sure. training. Sure. Right? So they can make this journey.
0: I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the mom swimming with the with the new calves. Um, did they tend to, to cruise as fast as they can? Or are you seeing them going a little slower, hugging the shoreline, looking for, for a little bit more of those snacks? I mean, uh, what does that dynamic look like?
2: Yeah, so that mother is super protective of that little calf, obviously. She's just dedicated a whole year of her life to, to growing it and now trying to do the best that she can to take care of that animal. Um, but gray whale calves are the target prey for a few different animals, the number one species of animal that will hunt them is actually orcas, killer whales. And so a lot of gray whale calves are attacked on their northbound migration. And so one of the defenses that these mother gray whales learn throughout their life is to, number one, swim slowly, swim quietly, and swim relatively close to shore. And so orcas, they're a species of whale that prefers deeper water. Um, You know, they use echolocation to kind of see. They work as a pod, all that kind of stuff. But what the gray whales do, you know, if it's a learned behavior or if it's just kind of instinctive, we don't really know. But what the gray whale mothers will do is keep her and that calf, sometimes they'll be in the waves of the beach. They'll be so close to shore. And the thought behind that is, from a research perspective, is, well, if the orcas are out in the deep water— those gray whales and the calves are going to be really safe in the shallow water. And also, if the orcas are relying on that echolocation to kind of see these whales and to hunt them, one of the thoughts is that the water is so turbulent in the waves or really close to the rocks that they just can't see as well, and so they don't hunt them. Um, But yeah, those mothers swim super slow, super close to shore, and so it is really neat if you have the experience of coming across a mother and a calf sometime. Uh, it can be pretty unreal. Like they're they're almost literally touching the shore
0: sometimes. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, th- that's the experience I think we had at uh, Cape Lookout, you know, which juts out two miles into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw the one whale and then you looked a little closer and you're right. It was kind of like a little... Like a short bus almost, yeah. Like of a of a whale pulling up right next to her, and everyone there was just like awestruck because it was just one of those moments you don't almost you almost don't expect to have a moment that cool. For sure, and they're almost right below you because the cape really sticks out.
2: Yeah, Cape Lookout is a great spot, especially during that northbound migration, because it sticks so far out in the water. It's going to kind of catch any of those whales that are traveling close to shore. Then they'll have to kind of sneak in around it. And so that, that can be a really, really cool spot to see them.
0: Is there any downside for the moms in being that close? I just feel like the, the amount of rocks and, and stuff like that, is there, is there any hazard in them traveling that way?
2: Not, not really. Um, gray whales are a species of whale that are extremely comfortable in shallow water. That's where they spend pretty much their entire life feeding and grazing is in water that's less than 20 feet deep sometimes. Um, and so when you hear about like whale strandings and stuff like that, Very rarely will it be a gray whale. Again, it's just that's where they're comfortable is so close to the rocks. And especially here on the Oregon coast, those summertime feeding whales, which I think we'll talk about later, that's where they spend all day every day is Mm -hmm. literally in 10 feet of water. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, anything else interesting that we didn't touch on about the gray whale specific migrations?
2: One thing about the spring migration is that it's, it's just more spread out than that winter migration. Mm. So even if folks can't make it out to the coast during that official spring whale watch week, it's going to be March, April, May, June, you will still see gray whales traveling north along the Oregon coast all of those months. And it is just because how spread out that migration is on their way back.
1: We hope you're enjoying the Explore Oregon podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to support our efforts to bring even more great stories from Oregon's outdoors, consider a digital subscription to the Statesman Journal. Not only do you get access to the best in outdoor adventures, there's all the news, sports, and entertainment stories from Oregon's capital and the Willamette Valley. Head on over to statesmanjournal.com slash subscribe to learn more. So
0: we've, we talked a lot about gray whales and obviously they're kind of the, the ones that people think of, but, uh, I know there's other whales that you can see around the Oregon coast, maybe even in Depot Bay. So what can you tell us first about the, the species that are there and then like kind of when you see them and stuff like yeah,
2: that? Yeah, for sure. So the other two most common species of whales that we see are number two would be humpback whales. Now, usually we will see humpback whales along the entire Oregon coast, um, of July, August into September, um, that is when the food that they're after, it's usually krill or anchovies or some kind of bait fish, that is the time of year where that food is close enough to shore that we can actually see them. And then the other, the third most common whale species that we see are those orcas or the killer whales as people call them. Um, now there's actually two different groups that we see each year um, and it depends on what time of year. So in the wintertime, we see pretty commonly some of the Seattle resident pods of orcas. Now, the more research that's been done on those whales, they've realized, well, they don't actually just live in Puget Sound all the time. They actually range quite a ways. And in the winter, it's it's fairly common for them to come down along the Oregon coast. And they've even gone as far south as Monterey Bay, California. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then later in the spring, kind of March, April, May, June, We usually see another group of orcas that's called the transients. Now, the transient orcas, they are the true kind of wolves of the sea, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Their, Their range is huge. It goes from Mexico to Alaska. These orcas, they're in fairly small pods, usually two, three, four, five, somewhere in there. And their food source is actually other marine mammals. And so these are the orcas that will hunt seals or sea lions or in kind of that April, May, June, their specific target is baby gray whales. Sure. They're they're pretty easy target for them sometimes. There's a couple other species that we do see from time to time, that, which are pretty rare. Um, we actually have bottlenose dolphins along the Oregon coast from time to time. Um, I didn't really believe it. I'd read about it, but uh, just a really quick story. I had a school group at Depot Bay, and we were doing our little outside presentation for them it was in early june a couple years ago and these kids were from bend or sisters or something and a lot of time a lot of them this was their first time seeing the ocean and uh, i was outside and i was doing my little ranger talk and these were like fifth or sixth graders and they're really squirrely and so i had been pretty clear like hey please hold all your questions until the end type of a thing and so as soon as i get started in my talk this one little kid his hand shoots up right and i was like i see ya," but let me get through my talk So I do my 10-minute boring park ranger talk, and he finally is like, Ranger Luke, Ranger Luke, do do we have dolphins here? And I said, well, you know, we could, but they're super rare. And I was doing this really boring answer, and he says, what are those? (laughs) And I turn around, and literally five feet from shore was this whole pod of bottlenose dolphins jumping and doing all the dolphin stuff. (laughs) And I said, kid, how long have they been back there? And he said, oh, pretty much the whole time you were talking. (laughs) It's like, okay. Next time, just yell. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so we do have dolphins along the Oregon coast um, and actually a whole, you know, spread of species of whales. Um, there's about a dozen different species of whales that live along the Oregon coast at some point throughout the year. Um, But most of them are far enough offshore that we can't see them.
0: All right, so let's uh, talk about the whale watching side of this. Um, You know, the big events every year are the Oregon Whale Watch Weeks and where you actually have these volunteers at the different really good sites uh, along the coast during these migrations that we talked about. Um, and it's nice that they take place during kind of the holiday breaks for, for school. So that's sort of a, a nice little bonus. But real quick, can you talk about the nuts and bolts of those weeks, how they come together, and what people actually get when they go to those spots?
2: We have a total of between three and 400 volunteers each year that sign up and, and receive some training and the latest and greatest information about all the, the gray whales and other species that people can see. And during these whale watch weeks, they're spread out. Along the entire Oregon coast, there's currently 24 locations, and they're spread out from Astoria all the way down to Brookings. Um, And during those Whale Watch events, from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. every day, there's volunteers out there at those beautiful parks looking for whales. They're documenting what they see, the behaviors, the numbers of whales, all that kind of stuff. And also, and more importantly, is they're helping people like you and me see them.
0: Great. So say I have picked one of those weeks, you know, I'm planning to drive over from the Willamette Valley to the coast. What are some of the things I should consider in advance? And I'm thinking about equipment, maybe like binoculars. I'm thinking about what weather windows to target, best times of day, things like that. So what's the best um, equipment and weather times to target during those migrations? You know, it's the winter on the Oregon coast. Right.
2: Yeah. And so the number one factor is the weather for sure. Um, This winter, we had really, really rough conditions, high surf advisories, all this kind of stuff. Our whale count was very, very low. Um, So first and foremost, check that weather forecast. And if you see, um, you know, say you're going to go out to Cape Mears or to Cannon Beach or something, just check those local weather forecasts. And if you notice, there's like high surf advisories, high winds, your odds of seeing a whale are pretty low. But if you check and you see it's going to be a relatively nice day, yep time to load up the car. Binoculars are always a really good idea, Um, either one of the whale watches, just because it gives you a little closer view of what's going on. Um, And then give yourself some time too. You know, whale watching is not necessarily an instant gratification type of activity. Sometimes you have to go to a few different spots to see one. Now, when it comes to the time of day that we recommend, if you can, we really recommend people get an early start. You know, as the sun comes up, in the east, it's at our back, we're able to look out over the ocean a little easier. And so, really, I mean, as early as you want to wake up in the morning to about noon or one is kind of the prime time. As the sun starts to set and it gets over the water, we start to get a lot of glare out over the ocean, especially if we have, you know, a nice sunny day. Um, and that glare can just make it very challenging for people to look. It doesn't mean the whales aren't out there, it's just harder for our eyes to see what we're looking for.
0: All right, I think you've mentioned in the past that depending on the migration, you might wanna pick a different spot. Like for one, you wanna be a little higher, others you can be down a little bit lower. What's, uh, what's the calculus there?
2: During the winter migration especially, most of the whales are traveling a little further from shore. They're swimming pretty fast. It's nice to be at a nice high headland, um, someplace with some good elevation where you can see a good amount of the water. Places like Cape Lookout are a pretty popular spot. Um, if you're not able to hike the two-and-a-half miles out there, another spot that's not too far away from there that's literally just on the side of Highway 101 is up at Niacani Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's just a big paved parking lot. Um, and that one, you're almost 1,000 feet up in the air, and you can see for like 30 miles. It's beautiful. And so that can be a really, really good spot in the winter just because you can see a lot of the ocean. Now, flip that into the spring when the whales tend to be a little bit closer um, usually we have a little bit better weather. It's more pleasant to be down closer to the ocean as well. Really, any place can be good.
0: When you look out of the ocean and you get out there, you got all your stuff set up, you know, is there a way that you teach people to look at the ocean to, to best uh, have a chance of, of spotting them?
2: Depending on which migration you're coming out for, there's a couple different trains of thought. For that winter migration, because the animals tend to be quite a ways away from shore, binoculars are a must, And a lot of people will just put their binoculars up to their eyes and just slowly scan the horizon. You know, if you're relatively close to the shore, for us in Depot Bay, we're about 50 feet up. And so the whales are traveling literally almost on the edge of what we can see. It's about three to four miles away. Um, And just slowly scanning the horizon with your binoculars back and forth and watching for those big spouts. The spout is when that animal's exhaling. You know, a huge amount of air is coming out really quick, and that's what we can see. Um, Once you see them, just try to stay with them with your binoculars. Mm -hmm. Now, flip that to the spring because, again, they're closer. Um, Usually, we'll just scan the horizon or just the ocean with your eyes. And what I like to do is just kind of slowly look back and forth and just watching for any kind of little difference you know it could be a really big spout or it could be a smaller one something that catches your eye and then bring up your binoculars to your eyes and just try to get a closer look and to verify if you saw what you thought you saw and then again just kind of waiting and watching and then later in the spring and in the summer especially right there in the central coast you don't even need binoculars again they're just five ten feet from shore sometimes and so be a really really good time all summer.
0: So it seems like there's almost kind of two different experiences yeah. that you can have. It's, it's that sort of distant spout where you know they're out there and that's cool and then there's other times when they get so close you can actually see them. How often does that happen that you know I, I guess I got lucky to be at Cape Lookout at the right time to actually see the whale you know right there. Is that an unusual thing or does it happen fairly frequently if you're like in a good spot?
2: No. So this is, this is one of the great mysteries of whale watching. Right? Sure. So we have this huge migration that takes place and there's 25,000 whales that go by, which is amazing. And a lot of people come out and they enjoy seeing that experience. But all summer long, the Oregon coast is home to about 300 or so gray whales that instead of going all the way up to Alaska, they stay here in Oregon, this group of animals has has found a way. They found a food that is able to sustain this small percentage of the population. And so each year we see about 300 whales that just kind of stick around. Now, people have called these the resident whales over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, their actual scientific name is the Pacific Coast Feeding Group. And they're, they're the same group of gray whales, but they've just learned hey, We don't have to swim all the way to Alaska. there's enough food here in Depot bay. we're going to stay here yeah, and so all summer long, um, in Depot Bay, our visitor center we will see around ten whales every day, but they're super close, like usually a half a mile away or less okay and so it's it's really if you don't make it out to one of the whale watch weeks, all summer long is just fantastic. The weather's usually nice. Um, the whales are super close now you're not going to see a hundred whales yeah. But you might see two, but they're, like, right there. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really, really cool experience that a lot of people don't realize they can have.
0: And that's that's a daily thing?
2: daily Every day. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's all summer long. And so June, July, August, September, even into October – we will see whales feeding right in front of our windows.
0: And coming to the, the Depot Bay Whale Watching Center would be the best place to, you know, if you're just taking that quick trip, you know, you're in between beaches or something like that, you can just stop in a Depot Bay and say, hey, what's what's going on right now? Yep.
2: And so that's kind of our prime time is when we have all of our staff on, all of our volunteers, and they're out there doing daily park ranger programs, and we have activities for kids, all that kind of stuff. But the summer whale watching season is kind of that that missing link for whale watching, it seems, people get very excited about the migrations mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so. They're a really cool thing. But all summer long is when the majority of successful whale watching happens because again, they're right there. And if you're like a five year old kid, you might not be impressed by a spout five miles away. But if there's a whale literally right outside your car, it's pretty cool. Yeah, People are coming and they're going out on whale watch tour boats or they're, They're just playing at the ocean and camping, Mm -hmm. and that's when um, a lot of people will, especially, you know, kids and stuff, will have their first most memorable whale experiences sitting on a park bench someplace in Depot Bay eating ice cream and watching a whale jump.
0: So it's pretty cool. (laughs) You know what? That's actually a great uh, place to end. Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to mention that you think is important for people to know?
2: Yeah, if you want to learn more about the whale watching Weeks, just visit the Oregon State Parks website. That's oregonstateparks.org. Or if you're interested in becoming or learning about our volunteer program, which helps connect people with the whale-watching programs, um, feel free to visit our website as well. That's whalespoken.org.
0: Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming in. This has been great. I learned a lot more about whales that I did not know. Uh, so I appreciate you being here.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's all the time we have for today. We hope this gave you some better insight into our whale neighbors off the Oregon coast and how to best get sight of them. You can find the Whale Watching Center on the south end of the seawall in Depot Bay, about 10 miles south of Lincoln City or 12 miles north of Newport on Highway 101. During winter, the center is open Wednesday to Sunday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., then around Memorial Day, they open seven days a week, again 10 to 4 Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, make sure to check out other episodes of Explore Oregon at statesmanjournal.com slash explore. You can also find us on an ever-expanding list of platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Have an idea for a future episode? Drop us a line at outdoors at statesmanjournal.com. Thanks for listening.